right, well, welcome everyone to the podcast and set. My, my guest this week is Mr. Dean Sharp. Hey, how you doing, guys? Yeah. Dean and I just, just, just met tonight, first time. Uh, and you told me you've been doing improv now for a little over a year. A little over a year, going on two years now. Going on two years, and you're already, uh, you started at iOS. Yes, sir. And you're already on a house team there, uh, and you've already been performing for almost half a year. Uh, yes, we was performing half a year for uh, from our class curriculum team right. that, you know, had a good shot at going like eight months. Right. We was really uh, thankful for that. And then we had a chance to audition once they reformatted a lot of the shows around there. And right. luckily I made a team and uh, Viceroy is two weeks in performing now. That's just, that's just great. I mean, I, 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 I probably, there's probably a lot of people in the community that are pissed off uh, <laughs> just because that's very fast to get to the stage, man. Uh, and you said you've been in L.A. only for only like four years now. Four right. years, August 2012. All right. Um, and you come out of Alabama. Yes, sir. Sweet home Alabama. All right. What, what were you doing in Alabama before you came out here? Oh, man. In Alabama, I played football all my life from fourth grade all the way to college. And then after college, a little semi-pro and arena ball. And uh, chasing that dream, uh, my body got banged up and I wasn't able to play anymore. And I started working a desk job, sending emails and faxes, and right. it drove me to anxiety. And I said, I'm going to California. Well, you're going to California. But you didn't come out here like, like I got an acting bug. I got to go out to California. You're just like, no, I'm just going to go to fucking California. I was like, I'm going to California. And they were like, well, what are you going to do? I, I'm going to act. I'm going to do whatever. I'm just going to get the hell out of here. And you never did any acting like in, in Alabama. Like You didn't grow up thinking that wasn't part of what you were doing. The only acting I did when I was in uh, eighth grade, uh, the, uh, the 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 teacher who was an English teacher, and he was over the, the yearly school play, and he was like, "Man, the costume is too big. We don't have anybody that can fit it. Can you uh, can you be in the play?" <laughs> and I was like, "You know, well, I always wanted to be on Disney or Nickelodeon, you know, or something right. like that." And I was like, "Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'll do it." So we got in front of the whole school. I went in and did. We rehearsed. We practiced, and I'm just the wolf man. That's all it was, wolf right. man. And I'm, I'm going, and I had these wolf feet, and I'm going. I'm running. I'm running around the couch trying to attack somebody, and I just slip, fall, hit my head, get a concussion, and I just get back up and get gets the going to it, you right. know. And that was the only acting experience I ever had. And I, after that, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah, but. acting's dangerous. I'm going to play football. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which followed with three more concussions. Oh, wow. I know. Sad to say. Uh, where'd you play college ball? Alabama A&M University. All right. How'd you do there? Uh, man, you know, when I graduated. What, what, what position you play? I played the offensive line. Offensive line. For, for those of you who listening, who, who can't see what's going on here. Dean is a gentleman of size. Uh, so, Just yes, he bit. played offensive line. So Yeah. Um, I'm 6'9". All right. Uh, at the time, I was... I'm, I'm six foot. I just want to get that out six there. Foot eight. That's good height, that's though. Right. That's, that's Actually, I'm six foot and one quarter inch. That's the average height of the men in my family, you know? Really? Yeah. Besides, I throw it off. You know, I throw it away. Well, then there must be some short ones, because if the average height is six foot... And you're six nine. Someone's got to be under six foot. So we have a couple of six fours and six nines. Right. Uh, some six sixes. How many? How many people in your family? Uh, it's a good bit. A good bit of people in the family. You know, cousins and uncles and. But in, in like your immediate family. I'm immediate like, family. Uh, I'm like you know me, my brother, my sister, and my my pa, ma. All right. You know. No, I I came from a good sized family. I had six kids in my family, so oh. I was the second. I think I'm just for talking about height. I, I know I'm six foot and a quarter because I grew up and I had one older brother who was six two, uh, and basically he would like I couldn't say I was six foot. I was five five eleven. I was five eleven and a half. I was five eleven and three quarters. And I'd be like, I'm six foot. He's like, Really? Let's measure. <laughs> Let's measure. No, you're not. You're five eleven and three quarters. It drove me fucking crazy till I finally cracked it. And then actually, I grew like a quarter inch in the past like couple years. Like, I'm 50, and, like, how did I grow a quarter inch that late in life? But I'll take it. I'm six foot and a quarter inch. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. All but right, so you, you're a lineman in Alabama. Yeah, Alabama A&M. And when I graduated high school, I was 435 pounds. 
That's a big man. You know, and, and the whole time I thought I was 350 pounds because I could never find a scale that went over 350. So I'm like, I'm 350 pounds. I'm just getting bigger, you know. And, that's that's um, what it stopped at. That's exactly. the top of the scale. That must be my weight. All right. So I get to Alabama A&M University. They're like, how big, how much you weigh? I'm like, I'm 350. And these other guys are like, bro, I'm 350, <laughs> you know. And so they like, the scale only went up to 350. So the, uh, the, strength, and, uh, the strength and conditioning coach went and bought a postal scale. And it was like this little platform, and I got on there, and I've been working out at this point because they right. knew I was heavy. And when I got on there, I was 415. After working out, the hardest I ever worked out in my life, right. and the sun and crazy stuff. And I, the first thing I did was I called my mom. I said, Mama, I'm 415 pounds. You know, I was just so upset about that. <laughs> and that, you know, kind of held me back because being that heavy, it's hard to move with some of those guys right. that are coming out of there like a bat out of hell. You know? Right. But it's also easy to just sort of stand there and stop people from coming through if you're that big. That's true, you know. <laughs> and that's how it worked in high school. But then when you go to, from right. high school to college, yeah, and you playing with guys who got tattoos and piercings and gold teeth and stuff like that, you are like, oh man, this is a whole different ball game. What what what, what did you manage to get down to to play? Um, to play, I got down to uh, at A and M. I probably got down to like three seventy five. All right, but it still wasn't. Uh, enough. So I kept going and traveling and trying to find other teams and pursuing um, just losing weight. I went to North Carolina and got with the trainer and I lost 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. So you get down to 275. I was down, no, I was uh, 435. So I kind of got back up. You know, All right. for some reason, being a bigger person, it's easy to gain weight and it's easy to lose weight. You right. Know? Well, it's funny because I mean, you're a larger person, so you don't look like. Well, what do you weigh right now, if you don't mind me asking? Um, 335. 335. No one, I, I would not guess you weighed that much because you, you're 6'9", and you just you look like a big person. It's like I, I have a friend, uh, a player out of Chicago, I used to call the Man Mountain, because he was 6'8", <laughs> uh, and at one point he was 500 pounds. Uh, but if you looked at him, if you took a picture of him, not next to anybody, you just think, oh, there's a big kid or a big guy because he's, like, proportional mm. all, all up and down. Uh so he didn't, you know, he didn't look like he was huge. He just looked like, oh, this is a big guy. But if you put him next to like another human being, then it's like, all right, he's he's huge. He used to do a thing. It was funny in Chicago. I used to, he was super strong. Uh, and we do a thing called object freeze at the end of the show. And I'd say, you know, Mountain, grab a keg of beer like it's empty, and go put it on the stage for object freeze. <laughs> and so he'd walk on stage with a keg of beer in one hand and just swing it over and drop it on the stage. And then some improviser would go over, so assuming it's an empty keg of beer, and go to lift it, and just hands would fly off it. And I'm like, yeah. But he also used to put the kegs on the fucking bar. I'm like, stop doing that. Because I got to take them down. I'm behind the bar. You come up to the bar, one hand, put a keg of beer up on the bar. I'm like, fuck, don't do that. I got to take it down now, and I can't. Uh, it's crazy. You ever do shit like that? With, are you, like, super strong? I bet you are. You're probably pretty strong. I think I'm stronger than I think I am. But I, I don't know, man. When I try to just do superhuman stuff, I feel like I'm getting old, you know. And I try how, how to. How old are you? Don't mind me. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah, I, I, but I feel you're, like I'm getting you're, old. You you're know, a child. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm fifty. I could be your father. Man. I'm sorry I'm 50 to, years old. to disgrace you, uh, but <laughs> but uh, it's like you know. I remember like probably five, six years ago, I bumped my knee or bumped my elbow and. You know, I'd be like, it's okay. I'll be good in the morning time, you know. And now when I bump my knee or bump my elbow, I'm like, man, do I need to go to the emergency room? You know, <laughs> I don't know if, if it's because I'm a bigger person or it's just I'm getting older. It, get, it, it gets worse. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I've, told, I've probably told this before because it's my favorite short story. The day after I turned 40, I threw my back out taking a poop. How did that manage to happen? How I, got just, I was just trying to take a poop. My back just seized up. And I was like, oh, my God. And I, I, I remember laughing and thinking, this is it. This is the rest of my life. I'm going to be careful every time I sit down on the, to on the toilet. Uh, so, so that's coming. That day is coming. That's tough, man. I don't even want a phantom throwing my back out taking a poop unless I'm in the woods, you know, using banana leaves. Uh, all right, so so you just come out to LA out of nowhere, and you start hanging out at improv places, right? Um, you know, I hit the circuit. I'm like, what to do? I went to Craigslist and I weeded out the creepy stuff, 
And then I started finding, um, you know, places to go. And then from there, they say, you got to be on this website. You got to do this. You got to do this. And I just thank, thank God for Google, you know, <laughs> because everything anybody told me, I write it down, go to Google, check it out. Like, I'm not finna get caught up in the world, you know. Right. And um, it just one thing led to another six months. Uh, you know, I was on sets doing stand-in work, got my eligibility, and it just started just working out in my favor. And that's so fast. I mean, really, for you know, again, it's you're doing extremely well for only four years out here. Uh, all right, son, you you go to I.O. Who would you say were your influences coming out of there? Oh man, influence coming out of I.O. Definitely uh, B.O.C. Uh, Billy Brian O'Connell. I gave his whole name. Um, he was so influential. He said, uh, level 101, he was like, you guys get out there and you take somebody else for 201. I was like, nah, I'm taking BOC, you know. And um, I really just like his mentorship and, you know, if I ever need to talk, things like that. It's just a great community. Uh, then Craig Kukowski, um, I kind of like ninja my way into his class, you know, I was like, you know, I want to get in this class, you know, and I'm like, you know, sitting there on the right on the registration time, one minute the class was full, and I'm like, oh, shit, you know, so uh, I've signed up for another class, and I was like, I still want to go check out this class just to see, you never know what's going to happen, you got so right. many flakes out here, you right. never know what's oh, going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. So I went there, and he was like, well, uh, we don't know if you're going to get on stage, but uh, you can sit in. And I got a chance to get on stage. It was cool. Right. Middle of the week, he was like, hey, yeah, uh, somebody dropped out. Come on in. And it was a great experience. I met two of the people that was on my team from our graduating class that performed for eight months. And um, it was just a great experience to be able to break things down and, and, and get an idea if I really wanted to do improv or not. And now, and now you got the bug. Now oh, I got the bug. I am the bug. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see it? What are you looking to do next? What do you, what do you think? Uh, well, my whole thing about it is that the reason I love improv so much and why improv is my passion, because uh, when you're going out to auditions and you're going out to the acting world, you're going out looking for agents, looking for managers, trying to figure out the right steps to take, it feels like it's not that much that we can actually control. You know, so what we can control is every night somewhere in Los Angeles, this is going to be a free improv class or an open mic or something like that. So um, I felt like uh, just that path right there just leads me to where I feel like I have some control to where I can go get on the stage and go improv, go be free and, you know, not worry about all of the other things in this same world. You know, right. it's all in the same world. But these other things that uh, sometimes can be looked at as negative, I feel improv is all positive. Regardless of what we do on stage, it's all positive, all fun, all It should be. Times. Uh, and the community, because like I, I always say what younger players should find is like a find your home. And, and your home might be a place. It might be a, a handful of people, right? <clears throat> All our homes is also or is also still just the community, like the, the the general passion in the community for just making shit up. Uh, we always can come back to that as opposed. To, yeah, yeah, because we're gonna audition, we're gonna deal with all the bullshit that goes on in the world. But at least when we do this, it's like you say, it's when you're free. It's like I don't I don't answer to anybody. I can do whatever I want. Uh, so I can always come back to this. Doesn't mean I can't do everything else. Right? It just means this is where I can come back to. It's a great thing to have something you can call you know, a home. And a home might just be a handful of people. Uh, but you know, hopefully it usually grows more than that. Uh, sometimes it's a place. Uh, but usually it winds up being people, uh, the people who share, the, share your passion. You can, all, you can always come back to that. It's, it's, funny, it's funny, again, you're so new and you're so already already on top of that. As far as like, no, the way you just described it, I was like, yes, that's exactly what you should know. And you already do. So fuck you. Uh, <laughs> for Thank getting you. so far, so fast. Uh, again, like I was telling you out, outside, I sucked for the first four years I did. The, for the first four years I did this back in Chicago, I, I couldn't do shit. I was terrible. Uh, so again, I really resent your early and fast success. 
it's bothering me more and more the more I talk about it. Uh, so what else is going on with you? Um, besides that, I think I built a great relationship with my uh, agent over the last year. Um, we've booked like five jobs. So um, now you're just now you're just outright trying to no. piss me off. Dude, the, the, the knife is in. Now you're turning it. Just like uh, no, that's bleed great. Out, that, that, bleed that, that's out. fucking awesome. Go ahead. No, but um, I'm at a point where I'm trying to figure out is will I be able to go any further than what I'm at now? You know, I don't know. I don't have a manager or someone who's guiding my career. So I'm just like, okay, I got to take an acting class. I need to make sure I'm active in the improv world. I need to make sure I'm going to workshops. I need to make sure I'm active with the SAG programs. I need to make sure I'm, you know, uh, just going to see shows and see people who are more experienced than I am. Um, that's all that it feels like that I can do. And I'm always thinking, <coughs> what else can I do? I want to get more involved in the developmental world. Uh, being that we do so much improv and, you know, sometimes a character or a premise or a plot line sticks with you. I want to learn how to convert those things into uh, things that I can be a part of and things that I can actually have people be a part of because we meet so many talented people that just don't know what to do. And if we can take advantage of that, that'll take all of us to a, a further place. Yeah, what I, what, what I would kind of say is, you know, one thing you might look into is, like, start writing. Like, start getting into some sketch. Because uh, one of the things I, one of the mistakes I made as a young man was I, I, didn't, tr I didn't translate my ability to improvise, improvise into material, into product. Uh, I, was a, I became a really good improviser, but I never wrote anything down. Uh, I, was, I was a purist. I was an ass. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, because... Get into that because because it used to be, you know, and this is I, I, I'm sort of in, in between the schools or the times on this. It used to be you worked really fucking hard and became great, and basically you kind of hoped you caught a break. But now we're really in the er era where it's like you make your break, mm -hmm. right? You create material, you put it out there, uh, you bring people in, uh, put shit on the internet, uh, create product. In the meantime, you can still be an improviser. Uh, that was a thing I didn't realize back then. I, I always tell my students, like, you know, don't, if, uh, unless you want to, uh, uh, unless your goal is, is, is to own a small theater when you're 50, <laughs> right? Do not just improvise. As, and sooner rather than later, because people think, well, I can't write. Everyone can write. Writing is just like improvising. You just you write a line, write another line. Well, and, and I say this, what does the other person say? Then make up that, just write uh, and start creating product. Because uh, then you can, you can put it up places, you can bring other people in. Uh, it's, it's, it's another way to be seen. And all the time you're doing that, you're creating just a, a stockpile of shit you can sell. Uh, so that's just a little, my small piece of advice as far as where, where you might go next. I think your thinking is absolutely right. I think go out there, make as many connections as you can. Uh, Stick with your passion, do what you love, uh, but also in that, allow it to create, cause, like, make yourself sort of allow it to create things uh, because there's no reason not to. Uh, do we have any questions uh, for, for Dean? Yes, Chad, go ahead. I was curious because we talked a lot about sports being like a metaphor for improv teams, but we don't run into a lot of offensive linemen. Um, is there something specific you felt being an offensive lineman that when you started doing improv that you felt like the skills you learned doing that are translated somehow? Uh, definitely, because, uh, man, I had a great offensive line coach. He was a young guy that came out of college, probably should have went to the NFL, named Steve Davis. And, um, you know, when he got there, he was like, he understood that a lot of us didn't want to play offensive line. And he said it's about the intangibles, you know, the things that 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 don't bring the play, the praise and the glory, you know. So that just took me a long way. Just don't worry about getting the praise and the glory because you're part of a touchdown because you block. You're part of a, a passing touchdown because you block. So as far as improv, when I first started, I remember doing improv with this 
this uh, girl who was from Japan and she could barely speak English, but she came every week to the improv class and she came in to do her thing. And she rarely would speak because she could rarely understand. But she would always support and be there and she would have some presence and she always was the funniest person on stage. Not because, you know, people were laughing at her, but just because the way she contributed was just so minimal, but it made the scene. You know, so whether if you're in a Herald and, uh, you know, all of your team took up the first couple of beats, you know, you can still come in and, and help those guys move forward, you know, add to the scene. I feel like those are the same thing as the intangibles. Yeah, I remember as a, one, of the, one of the things that got me on my first legitimate improv team was a guy in Chicago picked me for it because he saw me do a show where I didn't speak in the entire show, which was the, the second show I ever did. And it, it wasn't like it was purposeful. I just didn't speak yet. So I was, I was still not very good. But what I did was I played characters in the background, or I played a chair, or I played, I played whatever I could to support the scene. And he said, that's what I want on my team. I've got people who can talk a lot. Like, I, I want someone who, who can support. So that's a real important thing to do. Although I, I, I did enjoy it once I started speaking. <laughs> uh, which was my third show when I finally spoke and didn't feel so bad about my parents coming. Uh, all right, anything else? You got something right there? Are you originally from Alabama? Uh, born and raised, Lynette, Alabama. 10-minute uh, walk to Georgia. Um, yeah. How close to Dothan is it? We're probably about three hours from Dothan, north, uh, directly north. Dothan is kind of close to the borderline. We're right on the borderline, probably about three hours north. So like close to Phoenix City? Exactly. Like my mom, she goes to Phoenix City almost every week to sell refurbished goods. <laughs> what's, what's that? Man, my mama like take like an old vase and bedazzle it out or she'll take a nice painting, you know. And, and I really love her paintings. You know, she'll right. take the paintings and she'll go over them with, you know, more vibrant colors. And she'll get them for a buck and sell them for $10. Just put a little time into it. And right. it's a thing down there. Like, she got competition, you know. All right. And she got, like, two booths. And, you know, it's a, like they should take storage wars down to, like, <laughs> you know, down to the good old South and <laughs> let them show them how they do it. All right, you had a question right over here. You know, you said something that really uh, piqued my interest. You said it took you four years to feel like you got good or better. It took me four years to stop sucking. Okay, because on that, I, I took improv for three years when I lived in Arizona, and I made myself take it because I felt like it was going to help me with acting. And every class, I, I internally sweated blood and wanted the floor to open so I could fall through. But um, it's fascinating, and I know life is improv every day. We never know what we're going to say to the person coming up to us. So you just made me feel more encouraged that I could possibly get back in a class and eventually feel like I had improved or was good. I, I, absolutely. There's no reason. I mean, I... I've seen people who were pretty good coming in, uh, who were very good coming in. Uh, I wasn't one of them, but I, w I was persistent. Uh, and the thing that really put me over was a, a moment when a girl in Chicago by the name of Sue Messing, and I was asking everyone for advice or whatever, and I said, you know, what else can I do? And she told me the first thing you need to do is decide that you belong. Uh, and it hit me like a in that moment, I was like, actually, I stopped listening to her because that, so, so, that hit me so clearly. I was like, oh, yeah, I do belong. And what that meant for me is like, I belong on stage trying. And I belong on stage failing. And I'm going to fail every time I do this. But every time I do it, I'm going to learn something, come back next week, and do it again. And all I have to be is persistent. <laughs> if, 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 as long as I don't quit, I will get better. Uh, and once I realized that, that let go of the, the, the fear. Like, because the fear is really fear of failing, fear of not doing it well. Uh, and it's like, well, you're going to fail. You're going to not do it well. But if you want to get better, you have to do that. You have to fail, learn from it, come back, fail again. Failure is built into improvisation. You actually expect us. 
you as audience actually expect us to fail in, in some way when we play. That's part of the excitement. Uh, and when we do, you're kind of like, yep, okay, I, I get it. They failed a little bit, uh, but they're still going. They're, they're, they're still trying. Uh, so yeah, anyone can do this, any, and anyone can improve. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, make a mistake, come back, do it again. Make that mistake again. You keep making that mistake, eventually your brain's going to go, I'm tired of making that mistake, and you'll stop making it. Uh, but yeah, so you, by, by my measure, you have one more year to suck. <laughs> All right, anything else out there? Yes, in the back. Uh, you mentioned you're from Alabama, so this is kind of a heavy question, uh, but I'm curious about it. I'm wondering, when you're doing improv, <clears throat> like, are there, what's it like bringing race into improvisational work, especially if it's like an interracial uh, improv group? And do you have to have like a degree of trust and practice with the group, or how do you handle stuff like this? Uh. It's, you got to play it by the crowd. I feel like it's like a comedian going into a, a, a show. If you get there and it's a majority whites, you need to hold back on all the racist jokes. If it's a church crowd, you need to hold back on the cursing and stuff. <laughs> I prefer to just be free. But um, I, I know when I'm working with like one of my, one of my improv groups and uh, one of the guys really don't like racial stuff. But then the girl, she's from Brazil. Uh, so when me and Katja, we'll go on a racist rant, and uh, Ryan will just be turning red as all outdoors, you know. Um, it really doesn't bother me that much because we're in the moment, and sometimes I might be in a scene and it might be a racist moment, but I might be playing a white person. You know what I'm saying? So I ch it's whatever the scene needs. Uh, I don't prefer to be in racial situations. Just like I don't prefer uh, to be in, you know, same-sex situations. But if the scenes need that, or if I have to play a woman, or if I have to play whatever I need for the scene, I just get out there and do it because at the end of the day, it's not about how I feel. It's about the, the people that's on stage. So I just have to be there for them. One of the things I would, I would, I would say to that is it's like one of the things we used to say on, on the, the team I played with, uh, was the form comes first, meaning whether we disagreed or not on anything. It was the scene and the piece. Like our piece might end up saying something that is wrong. Like, and the moral of the story is sexism is right, <laughs> right? Uh, but that's what the piece wound up saying. And in saying that, it undoubtedly, you know, raised the, the, the idea that it wasn't, right? But to me, it was like, no, we're exploring. You have to be free to, and it's like I say, and if the scene requires me to do something that I don't agree with or that isn't my, something that is comfortable for me, well, that's one. Yeah, it's good to put yourself in places where it's not comfortable. That's how we grow. Uh, and it's also, what, what frees me in that is it ain't me when I'm on stage. I mean, it's me, but one of the things I love about being on stage is once I start playing, I'm like, I, I no longer feel obligated to anything or anyone. I'm just like, no, I'm just, whatever the moment is, I'm playing a position in it. I'm just playing someone in this position right now say, and saying what I think they might say. Uh, but it's not me. That's one of those, that's probably the hippiest thing I fucking say. <laughs> it's like, it's not me, it's, it's, that, it's that guy. Because I would never say this, but that fucking guy would. Uh, all right, well, I think this has been great. Uh, I think we'll stop it here and me and, me and Dean will do a set. Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen now is me and Dean are going to do about 25 minutes or so of long-form improvisation. And all we need to get us started is a suggestion of anything at all. Cupcake. Cupcake? Yes. Cupcake. They're almost ready. <laughs> the first batch was so tasty, Grandpa. <laughs> well, it's your grandmother's recipe. Oh, she's a lovely baker. A lovely baker. She, I don't know if she, she was. Get... She was. Why? You might have forgotten it's a birthday today. It would be a birthday today. Pink was a favorite color. Yeah, it was. The icing is so nice, Grandpa. I, 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 I hope you handled it well. Last year, you, you went to the liquor store and it just got a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
There's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with having the occasional glass. You're right, grandfather. There's nothing wrong with with an occasional glass. How much how much booze will fifty bucks get me? Ah, uh, come on, Phil. You're here every night. Uh, <laughs> come on, it's 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 it's, it's, it's the missus. It would be the missus' birthday tomorrow. Listen, fifty dollars for the twelve-age scotch. What if I got like two six-age scotches? <laughs> I'm not looking for flavor. I'm looking for kick. Well, come on, Phil. The two the two six years are twenty-five each. It's the same. It's it's well, like, it's two it's two bottles. <laughs> twice as much. It's it's twice as much, but the years are cut in half. You yes. see where I'm going here? The twelve-age scotch is aged longer, yes. so it's more expensive. Yeah, but it's less scotch. It's 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 twelve years aging, but for one bottle of scotch, where six years aging, I get you, you got me three-year-age scotch. I get four bottles of that. Phil, you get the same thing every time you come in here. Why do we have to go through this every fucking time, Phil? Right, Just I'll get the bottle. I'll take the twelve. I don't have change for a hundred. Oh, well, I guess it's free then. <laughs> all I got is hundreds. Phil, Phil, the door says we don't have bills larger than 20. All right, all right. We go through this every week, Phil. Every week, Phil. I didn't stop at the liquor store. Ah, ding, there they go. Grandpa, uh, careful, careful. Ovens are hot. Yeah. Want to burn my lashes off again? <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa, I just wanted to say that uh, I, I, I know it's not it's not right for me to tell you how things should be, but. The drinking has gone too far, and I'm, I'm going to have to take the keys from you. The keys? No more driving, Grandpa. <laughs> isn't, that a, isn't that a decision the state should make? Driving, driving makes me feel free. Listen, in the state of Florida, you can drive until you're 95. That's right. But. If, if you die, then I don't have no one. Y'all have granddad. Y'all have grandpa. Y'all have grandfather. It's tragic. <laughs> it's tragic what happened to your parents. It was, I blame myself. Listen, you didn't have to buy the tickets to Maui. But you're not the one that blew the plane down. <laughs> Kinda am. <laughs> what do you mean, grandfather? <laughs> I was drinking quite a bit. And I, 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 I got in a weird bet with a guy. <laughs> I was in the army, you know. I got some shit in the basement that'll freak you out. World War II, Marines, you tell me all the time. Yeah. I, what, 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 about, what about a bet? A bet? God kept saying I couldn't blow a plane out of the sky. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you, I can blow a plane out of the sky. Granddad, are you telling me that you blew the plane that my parents were going to Maui for their for the anniversary, and you blew it down? I think so. There were thousands of planes flying that day. Well, thousands of planes. Well, how many got blown down? One. Well, it's probably me. <laughs> I only shot one down. If there were two, there was a chance it wasn't me, but if there was only one that day, it was definitely me. Philip! Yes? Once again, for the war games. <laughs> yes, war games. 
let's make it a little interesting this year. Let me drink obnoxiously for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Same old feel. Yeah. Intoxicated. Ah, the twelve. Twelve, yeah. <laughs> Have you told your wife yet about the drinking? What was no, I would I tell her about it. And there's nothing to tell. I enjoy the occasional glass. Just thought a man of your stature would just keep it open with his family. But to the war games, you're going to need that 12 age scotch imported from Ireland. Because I'm going to. Yes, the Irish. <laughs> the Irish know their scotch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they uh, try to mix it up every now and then. Yes, all right. I can do anything. Well, Philip, well, you can do anything, huh? There's a new way that we can play this game. Yeah, what's that? I got a couple of warheads ready to go. Just have to press the button, take out a couple of planes, get some real casualties, like the good old days. Two warheads, you say? Yes. Well, the fact is, I, I lost the battle. I, can, I only took out one plane. <laughs> he bet me I couldn't take out two planes. I missed the second one. I lost ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you killed your offspring for ten dollars? I didn't know that was their plane. That was just bad luck. When you go around blowing up planes and you know you got family on planes, you shouldn't blow up planes, Grandpa. <laughs> I, don't, I don't just go up. It's not like I'm an expert at blowing up planes. It was a bad, it was a one-time thing. I didn't blow up any more planes after that. I learned that I, I, I have bad aim with warheads. <laughs> it was a bad bet. All right, all right, I won't die. You happy? <laughs> you won't die? I won't die, so you won't have to be alone, all right? Hmm. What? You know, as a purist of this bloodline, I think I should avenge the death of my parents. Yeah, you should get that guy who, who took that ten bucks from me. <laughs> no, grandfather. Hmm. Uh, I don't care about the cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're uh, all up on the snow. Oh, they're all. Oh, the one at the floor. Uh, it's a terrible mess, grandfather. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're even. <laughs> no, grandfather, that does not constitute us even. That makes us even. You, I, I did what I did, and you look at what you did. <laughs> Fresh out of the oven. Your grandmother's recipe. Pink frosting. Her favorite color. Grandmother died an old lady from Alzheimer's. You took away my parents. But I can't stay mad at you.
You need to get your shit and get out of here and come back when you're a fucking man. And by your shit, I mean the toothbrush and the fucking shoes. <laughs> Why do you have to bring up the shoes? Why do you have to bring up my Nikes? You own too many fucking shoes for a man, alright? You need to get all your fucking shoes and your toothbrush and get the hell out of here. So what? I love Nikes. I like the colors. I like the way they feel against my ankles. So what? You want to just make me go out on the street with all these shoes? You think I'm going to last on the street with all of these shoes? You have 19 pairs of shoes. I have four. Jenny shoes. I have four. You have a pair of Michael Kors, and you have a, a, a pair of Louis Vuitton, and a pair of Gucci. Those shoes actually equal up to five times the amount I paid for my Nikes. So what are you talking about, baby? Come that's on, not. Baby. That's not true at all. That is your Nikes are like two fifty a fucking pair. Mm-hmm. All right, I got all my shoes on sale, and I've had them for years. Because no one's bought me any new fucking shoes. <laughs> you wear Jimmy shoes. I work at McDonald's. How can I buy you shoes? Why am I dating you? All right. That's because why sex is good. What? You like the, the D. Sex. Yeah. You like the D. Yeah, yeah. The sex is good. The sex is good. All right. But I just found out that the guy fucking me isn't a man. Because his grandfather killed his parents and then he cleaned up cupcakes for him. You want me to go kill him? You want me to go cut his throat, poison him? I want you to do something. I want you to do something that says you're a man. Look, babe. Or get rid of some of the fucking shoes. <laughs> oh, again with the shoes. Come on, babe. Again with the shoes. A lot of fucking shoes. It's a whole quarter of my closet is those goddamn shoes. Listen, think about it. If you have, let's say, 19 pairs of shoes, you never have to worry about color coordination, man. I mean, you're always prepared. My thing, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. You know what I'm saying? That's why you pay a truck, baby. All right. I don't care how good the sex is. You need to do. You need to do something. You need to get a better job. You need to kill your fucking grandpa. <laughs> get rid of some of these goddamn shoes. Oh, one, of, at least two or three of them. All of those shoes. Oh, yes, it's the shoes again. Yes, I keep mentioning the shoes. The shoes. Yes. Yeah. And now that's the word I said. Kill your grandfather. Listen, no, you know what? You know how I feel about my shoes. First off. And, and second, if you want me to kill my grandfather, throw out some ideas. Like maybe get me a sling blade or get me a side block or something. Yes, because I go around killing your grandfather all the time. I have all kinds of plans made for killing your grandfather. To just end his life. You're supposed to be the other half of me. If you can't find a don't, way to help me kill my grandfather, then maybe I should just take my shoes and leave. Don't, don't say things like that, all right? <laughs> Don't try and talk about how I'm the other half of you and how I can quit you. You know how I feel about you. You know how I feel about you. You know what I went through to be here with you. You know. You know, babe. 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 Look at me, babe. Babe. Look at me, babe. You know. You don't want me to leave. You just want me to step up to the plate and just show you a little more attention. Yeah, I understand. I want you to get rid of some of those fucking shoes.
So can I go home? I was really off. I'm sorry. I felt like I was really off my game. Like, I was just kind of standing in here for a while. <laughs> and you just blurted out that you killed your grandfather, which is what I wanted to know about. I've been in it for 10 hours. I'm thirsty. Yeah, sorry. I was, I was stuck at home. My wife's been there like this. You know, I just on me. I get it. You know, man, you know, work calls, you got to leave. It's like I'm a cop, and that's what I do. Uh, so I was really off my game when I got here. I was thinking about her. Uh, I didn't kill my grandfather. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, you're totally making this about you right now. <laughs> so, you, you've already talked enough about you for my purposes. <laughs> I'm being a man right now. I did it, and I'm taking my time like a man. <laughs> yeah, just keep rolling. Just keep, keep the recorder going. Yeah, I hit him with that brick. Because it was there. It was there and it was pointy. And, 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 and he was like, taste the next batch of cupcakes that I heard coming out. And I heard, be a man, be a man, be a man, be a man. And the brick weighed nothing. It was like a feather. And he just went to sleep like every night on his full-size mattress. And goodness gracious. So can I go home? No. No. Are you familiar with the legal system? <laughs> you just confessed a few times to murdering your grandfather. You're going to jail. Probably forever. Whoa, what do you mean for, for? Oh, for the rest of your life. For, for what forever is to you. Uh, is that what being a man is? In my books, no. <laughs> I'm a man, babe. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> babe, what do you mean? I killed him. I killed him. There's no window here. Put the phone down. <laughs> I don't get many visitors. There's a lot of cons in this room, all right? Sometimes meditation is like this. You can touch me, though, baby. You yeah. can touch me. Yeah, I could, except that you're going to be in jail for the rest of your fucking life. This is what you wanted. You wanted me to be a man. I didn't want you to get... I didn't want you to kill your father and then go to the police and basically brag about it. <laughs> All right? I thought that what being a man was. You do something and you admit it. You tell everybody, hey, I did it. I'm a man. You know what I did? Take a look around the room and Pay particularly close attention to their feet. <laughs> yes, they're all wearing your shoes. <laughs> you dirty, filthy bitch! I donated I all of your fucking shoes to this prison. All to everyone else except for you. So you can spend the rest of your life seeing your shoes, but not being able to wear your shoes. <laughs> so like I spent a lot of my life seeing your shoes, but not being able to wear your shoes. <laughs> I was the man of your life. I was supposed to marry you. We were going to be a duo, dynamic duo. Don't, don't start that. Look at me, babe. Look at me, babe. Babe. Look, babe. Babe. Look at me, babe. Babe. You know you want the D, but you're never going to get it again. There's other D out there, all right? Listen. You're going to die just like me, alone in a confined space with no one there beside you, except for maybe to murder you or... <laughs> you know, alone. they're recording, they record everything, you know that, right? Did you just threaten to murder me? I'm a man! That's what men do! Yeah, I said I was going to murder you. I'm going to murder you. You better hope they never let me out of here. Let me get out alive. 
Jail has changed me a lot. <laughs> All right, again, we, we record everything uh, that goes on in the general seating area when, you're, when you have the visitors. No. So, <laughs> your, your, your parole options are gone. What? No Come on. Parole options, yes. Come on. Don't just keep saying warden. Warden. You don't, warden. No. Warden. What? Come on. Don't just keep saying warden. That's warden. warden. That's warden. not an argument. Warden. Come on. Saying my warden. position and then saying come on is not presenting a point. All right? No. No parole for you. Warden. Come on. <laughs> Again, you can't just say that and say, you can't say what, I, what my position here is in prison and then say come on and expect anything to happen. Warden. What? Ah! I'll see what I can do. <laughs> so you never thought I would see you again, huh? How'd you get out? <laughs> I have charm. You have charm? Charm. What? Charm. You charmed your way charmed out way. of a maximum security. <laughs> maximum security. <laughs> Where do you think you're going, inmate? Um, I was gonna take these uh these towels out to the to the bin where the towels go. Well that's the most charming thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you charmed your way out of a maximum security prison. By telling someone the most banal thing you were about to do. <laughs> it's all in the eyes, baby. It's all in the eyes. Well, fine. I suppose you're gonna murder me now. <laughs> no, I thought about it. Thought about, you know, staging it because since I don't know how to murder people, I've talked to some people about perfecting it. One, you do know how to murder people. You murdered the hell out of your grandfather. But it was loud. Sloppy. Well, sloppy was going to the police immediately and confessing. <laughs> that was the sloppy part. I thought that what being a man was. But until you get into the penitentiary. <laughs> oh, you won't you know about, about how to do murder, right? Um, um, I mean. You came you came to the right man. You came to the right man. Man, it's just so hard. You got my cigarettes? <laughs> nine cartons. That's nine. Yeah, you got some big fucking hands. Yeah, that's nine cartons. <laughs> it's just so hard to look you in your eyes, man. I've heard stories. I mean, they say you don't have those 20 marks on your back for nothing. They say like, they say the little marks are for kids, the big marks are for, uh, for uh, the big marks are for adults, the wild ones are for black people. I just assume that it's like just, it's just a bunch of moles I had in mind. <laughs> I don't. Uh, so hold on, hold on. I, I've killed a man. I, I actually killed my grandfather. Really? I killed my grandfather. Wow, how'd you do that? I hit him with a cyborg. Damn, that's cold. <laughs> yeah, so if so you got 20 marks on your back and they're not for so how many how, how, how many people did how many people did you kill? I didn't kill no one, man. What the fuck am I Give me my cigarettes back, motherfucker. <laughs> my cigarettes. Everybody in this prison knows I'm the baddest motherfucker in this prison. Okay, well maybe I need to see some credentials on that. <laughs> yeah, we all carry credentials around. <laughs> well, we thought we carried them on your back, and now they're just removed moles. Like what? You think the back's the only part of my body? People make up shit because they're scared of the shit out of me. Because it's some shit that's true. That's just the made up shit that they think. They, they think I'm fucking so crazy that they make up something about every part of my body. So what did you do to get in here, big bad man? 
<laughs> get your sorry at catching prostitutes. What kind of advice can I get from you about murdering people? I want to advance my studies wanna, on murder. You want to know or you want to know? I want to advance my studies on murder. All right, you want to murder someone? Yes. All right, here's what you do. <clears throat> you get in your car. You start cruising some of the streets, right? Okay. <laughs> and you see a girl who looks like she's just kind of standing there. Okay. Right? All right. She might be working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
maybe we can just, you know, keep this amongst us, amongst these. <laughs> keep what? Uh, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nothing ever happened. I mean, <laughs> I just asked you to suck my dick. I don't want you to go tell the guys that I asked you to suck Whoa, whoa, what? I just asked, I, I didn't ask you blatantly to suck my oh, dick, you, but I let you. You just fucked up. <laughs> Shit just got real up in here. Uh, I don't know if you're offended or if you're taking an offer or who the fuck do you think you are? Ask me to suck your dick. You just told me you sucked the man's dick for those white hot tops, and I'm just thinking. Yeah, what the? I, well, I didn't say that. I said. I, you, you cut me off before I could finish that story. I said I killed his dick. I killed it. I killed it with my blowjob. I, I blew his dick to death. You, you can kill a man in pieces. So, in this prison, there's a man that's walking around with a dead dick. With a dead, dead dick. Now you're acting like you don't like it. All right. 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 All right.
scotch. Maybe the scotch will give you a better eye. Oh, damn it. This is the second one. Yes, you rusty son of a bitch. All right. Let's see if... Oh, all I have is hundreds. Ninety dollars and change. Every war game, Phil. Every war game, Philip. I guess. I guess I'll just have to owe you then. Ask me to blow him in the cell. 